This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Let's face it. Barring anything truly unforeseen, we are already in the general election of 2024, and the most likely nominees for the two major parties will be Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Yes, we have a lot of primaries to go. Uh, There's a lot of real estate to cover in the next few months for there, but the presidential election is kind of on cruise control. Let's talk about some of the dynamics going on with John Bennett, our editor-at-large here at Roll Call, uh, who has a new story about some of the concerns that people, I feel, have been voicing for a while that they were finally comfortable kind of going on the record about with the Biden campaign. These uh, these are Democrats uh, across the ideological spectrum in both the House and Senate that John uh, spoke to or picked up on what they were telling other outlets. And uh, John, let's, let's talk about your story. Welcome back to Political Theater. Sure. Thanks for having me. So um, I'll, I'll even hold it up. Uh, we were saying like this very, very kind of old school. It's uh, I always love the part on Washington Journal and C-SPAN where the, you know, the host is, is tracing, you know, with with yellow highlighter and so forth and a pen, the, the, the uh, parts of the of the story that they want to go over with a uh, with a journalist. You you spent our, uh, you know, our, our first week last week back uh, with Congress back. Talking with people in the Democratic Party who they seem okay now, you know, there was for a while there was this hesitancy to criticize the White House to criticize the campaign. It seems like their people are warming to that. Uh, And I don't know if that part of that is that, you know, some of the reports that we saw that the former president, Barack Obama, had voiced his concerns to to Joe Biden's team. Uh, back in December, uh, but but you you talk to several folks uh, who are integral to the Democratic coalition if they want to be successful uh, with with this campaign, uh, and it's uh, it it paints a picture of a of a campaign a, that seems to be kind of lurching forward, waiting to get its footing. Yes, and that that's partially by design. Uh, Quentin Falks is one of the senior Biden campaign managers, and. I was on a call, uh, I believe, um, early January, and and he said it again Sunday on MSNBC. He's he's been on uh, TV again since that. This is by design that that they want to. You know, it's kind of like first sports analogy right out of the gate here. You know, you want to get hot right before playoff time. That's when you really want your team to peak, and and that's kind of the approach that they're going to staff up methodically. They're going to. They've already raised a ton of money. That's one. That's one place. No, that's one thing no one uh, griped about when in, in my reporting. Uh, so the fundraising, you know, that'll continue. But but staffing up, ground game wise, uh, ad buys, they're really harvesting harvesting their money right now. And and when you talk to people, it's really it's really two things. It's messaging and it's the composition of the campaign. Uh, when you talk to folks like Steny Hoyer, the former uh, House Majority Leader, um, who admits he has concerns, he talks a lot about messaging and needing to do a better sales job. He says that he thinks Biden is the most successful American president of either party 
since Franklin Roosevelt. A lot of no one, no Democrats that I talked to or like you said, picked up on um, who talked to other outlets. No one is is saying that, that this has been an unsuccessful term or presidency. In fact, they all agree. That's the one thing uh, they all agree on is Joe Biden has gotten a lot done. He's ticked off a lot of not just his own agenda items, but the party's agenda items. And he's done things that his predecessor couldn't. And atop that list, of course, is the bipartisan infrastructure law. Um, I was at the White House uh, all four years of the Trump presidency, and I was in on that joke that every week was infrastructure week. Yeah, but it was a they, never even, yeah, <laughs> they never even sent a draft. They never even sent really a one pager over to the Hill, much less uh, proposing bill text. So when you talk to folks like like Steny Hoyer, he says they need to refine their messaging, that they're hitting a lot of the right um, a lot of the right issues, but they're just not focused enough. They're not aggressive enough. They're not out there enough. Uh, when you talk to folks like Congressman Benny Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, of course, he was he was the, the chairman or the co-chair of the January 6th investigating committee. Um, and he was involved in the 2020 Biden-Harris campaign. And he says, well, there's a reason. And, and this shows up in polls that 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 the president, and the vice president, um, have some work to do with black voters, especially black male voters. And Thompson says they don't have enough of those kinds of voices in in the tent, as he put it. And he said, right now, they just need a bigger tent and bring more uh, diversity into the campaign, more um, uh, black political experts, more Hispanic, more Asian. Um, and then when you talk to folks like Joe Manchin, who could be a spoiler, I realize uh, that was one reason I was uh, I was glad that I ran into him. Uh, he may, may launch a third party run. He had an interesting um, comment about the the campaign's messaging. He says they shouldn't worry about Donald Trump. They should just worry about making the case and and improving their sales pitch about what this president has done. I one thing that that really came through to me, and I was thinking about this while I was on the Hill last week. I don't. I've been doing this a while, and I can't think of any politician, elected official who has gotten some things done. It's not like Joe Biden is just tweeting all day. Um, he has gotten some things done. He's pushed things through Congress. He's he's gotten involved. He's been a very active foreign policy president as well. But just how many different groups within the Democratic tent, as Thompson put it, are upset with him for different for so many different reasons? And that's that's a problem because it's not like they're mad at him because the infrastructure law didn't go far enough. It's it's five to eight things. And how, how, how many Band-Aids do you have to constantly be putting on all this upset? Yeah. And I, and I think that what's striking about the, you know, the sort of this uh, chill vibe, you know, that that the, the, the Biden campaign has is that they're they're saying, you know, we're taking a playbook from the last time when it was, you know, no no drama Biden, you know, sort of taking the, you know, like the sequel to no drama Obama. You know, we're going to explain to people how things are going. We're going to, you know, be ready for the general. We're going to staff up, as you you know pointed out. But he's at 33 percent approval now. <laughs> Um, you know, that's like Dick Cheney territory. Um, never, I mean, like th this is, uh, you know, it, at the very depths of where and below of where Trump was at his worst moments, you know, his worst moments for approval in um, during his presidency. So it's getting late. I mean, I, I mean, I, I get it that November is 10 months away, 
but changing people's perceptions is very difficult. The economy is always a lagging indicator. Uh, and sometimes you get feelings so baked in that they're hard to uh, unbake, if you will. And I was particularly struck by, you know, the the section in your story uh, that where Bernie Sanders, you know, was was talking about, you know, like the, the there's a lot of young people who cannot stomach what's going on uh, with the Israeli Hamas war and the the effect that it's having on Gaza. There and and that if he loses young people, he's really gone. I mean, so you've got like, you know, black men. Young voters, Hispanics, I mean, you know, progressives, if, and it's all a different sort of thing, but how do you, some of these things are beyond his control, um, you know, like the, but the, at, at the same time, it does seem that they have to do something if they want to change the course of it, other than just sort of kick back and say, we'll be ready for November. Because certainly uh, on Tuesday, when we saw Trump, really like roll to victory <laughs> in Iowa. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, 30, when you beat somebody by 30 points, you know, it, that is a whooping in no matter how you, <laughs> you know, try to try to say like, oh, well, he had weak, you know, kind of, uh, you know, competitors. No, he had two, you know, he had a, a, a sitting governor and a former UN ambassador and governor uh, and a 38-year-old whiz kid, you know, uh, tech billionaire. So, it's Trump isn't waiting, you know, to, to sort of make sure that people are hearing what his message is. And so, but the Biden people are like, well, we'll just see how this works out. Maybe we'll figure something out by, I don't know, August during the convention when people are really tuning in. It's, it is. And the, you know, the, the people you talk to are like, no, we really have to go, you know, it's go time. Right. That's, that's the sense I got uh, in reporting this out is that, yes, it's go time. What are you guys waiting on? But even Biden's campaign, uh, senior campaign officials, you know, have told us that they're waiting by design. Again, you know, they say voters aren't paying attention right now. Voters don't um, but voters aren't thinking about this as a choice between Biden versus Trump. They just know there's a presidential election and there's all these debates and primaries, but not in my state yet. Um, and I'll think about it. You know, I'll, I'll think about it when I need to think about it. I think that's a heck of a gamble when you're going up against a guy like Donald Trump. And you know, Trump had a line. I, I've actually saved it, and, and I refer to it every now and then, depending on what I'm writing. At a town hall he did with Fox News on December 5th, Trump said, um, speaking about his own philosophies and policies and a possible second term, quote, who doesn't want strong borders and a strong military and low taxes and low interest rates and go out and buy a house, end quote. That is, in a sentence and a half, a pretty good, a pretty good summation of what I'm going to do for you, or, or, or a, a promise. Now, mm -hmm. if he can keep it, that's, those are all big, hard things to accomplish. But Biden doesn't have a line like that. At least I haven't heard it yet. You know, bottom down, top out, or middle yeah, it's, out. It's the equivalent. Trump's Trump's is saying that is sort of the equivalent of like you know the the, the cliche: a chicken in every pot, a car in every garage. I mean, like that's what people want. Right. Um, and they don't want to be told why they don't like the economy. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to be told that they're wrong. And this reminds me of another cliche that, you know, I've heard for years and years in Washington, which is that, you know, sometimes Democrats would rather be right than win. And it seems like they're they're sort of beginning. The campaign is like, well, we just have to explain to people better. And even Manchin says this. You just yeah. have to explain to people better about what you've done. And it's like. 
I don't know. It seems like they've been doing a lot of explaining lately and they're, and people are tuning it out. And it like, mm-hmm. and again, if you, the, maybe there is some sort of mistake, you know, mistake about like, Oh, people aren't tuned in to the election. I feel like we're more engaged politically than we have been in recent memory. Maybe they're just tuning out messages that they think suck. Yeah, I mean, they, we've all got one of these in our pocket right. now. So yeah, we're we're all engaged. It's again, it's a heck of a gamble. Uh, the strategy, and I, I think a lot about uh, what what several of the members told me last week. When now, when you you ask the follow up, okay, what can they do differently? Uh, you know, there were a couple of um, uh, you know, don't want to talk about that or don't want to get into that. I'm not sure. I, to your point, I'm not sure anyone has this magic elixir, and it's. I think in large part, this reason we've been talking about these issues are very different. You know, inflation is very different than the war in the Middle East, which is very different um, than than the southern border situation, which is obviously very different. Um, you know, folks who still feel feel like they were left out of uh, the U.S. economy transforming decades ago. Well, and, and this perception about the economy, this might be the hardest one. Uh, when when you look at the polling, people feel pretty good about their own finances, their own financial standing and situation, even longer term, looking down the road. But then when they're asked about the health of the economy, they think it's pretty bad. And one thing that's different now, it's flipped from 2020. Uh, the economy was going through some things because of uh, the COVID pandemic that was on Donald Trump's shoulders. He was the incumbent president. Well, now that's flipped. This perception of the economy, even though even some conservative economists that I've read uh, recently or, or heard talking recently, they say the fundamentals of the economy are pretty good. Um, but the perception is pretty bad. And that's on Joe Biden's shoulders. And Donald Trump doesn't have to, you know, we heard Donald Trump kind of rooting for an economic downturn before the election because A, he wants to win, and B, he said, I don't, he doesn't want to be Herbert Hoover. Uh, inheriting a bad economy or having the economy crash on his watch. So, but those things don't hurt Donald Trump, but the perception of the economy that's hurting Joe Biden. And I, you know, I, I didn't talk to anyone last week. haven't talked to anyone for you know a couple of years now who, who really knows how they can fix that part of the messaging. I do think sometimes the messaging just from listening speeches or covering them um, it's the same speech and it's not resonating but they're not adjusting. I mean, he gave a speech uh, at the Mother Emanuel AME Church in, in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, you know, talked a lot about the shooting there, the white supremacist, uh, it's a, you know, a, a, a black uh, church in the South. And at one point, um, a, a, my a colleague was covering the speech. I was just listening for my own education. And all of a sudden, the president's talking about lead pipes in Flint, Michigan. Now, I get it. I get it predominantly black city. We all know what happened with with the drinking water there. It was a crisis. Um, And he's speaking to a black audience in South Carolina. They're worried about the black vote. But it just seemed out of place. It just seemed unfocused. And that was something else that the Democrat Democratic members said to me last week is sometimes it's it's just not focused enough. It's not aggressive enough. You know, if if Joe Biden could have done a a shorter version of that speech, and it could have been stronger. It could have really focused on the the threat he says Donald Trump and his uh, followers pose to the country. Of course, that awful day uh, inside the church uh, with uh, Mr. Roof, the shooter. 
and and he veered around to that same kind of stump speech and you know it just didn't feel to to certainly to me as someone who's been watching the White House for a while and others it, it just didn't seem to land as much as maybe it could have yeah yeah it's and it also you know the, this I, I think it's a fair comparison sometimes you know because you know to to look at the way that Biden handles things compared to how Obama you know, did obviously, you know, because they're bringing Obama out. I mean, there was this ad that I, you know, saw just a, it was on, it was a YouTube ad and Obama is, and, and Biden are in the frame and Obama does like 90% of the talking um, about like why it's important to elect Joe Biden and why it's important to donate money to Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris. And like, and, and Biden's just there, you know, kind of nodding. And it's like, wait a second, who's the president here? And like, again, they're, they're, he, there's a risk of suffering in comparison, you know, to somebody who, you know, the, the way that they handle it, because the way that Obama handled, you know, the shooting uh, at the Mother Manual Church is quite different. You know, I mean, it was one of the more stirring moments, you know, in, in his presidency. Um, and so I, don't know, I, I think that the it, it's I don't envy anybody trying to, like, figure out the puzzle pieces of this, but it but it is it, it's certainly like. I'm glad people are talking about it in sort of a more mature manner and saying like, yeah, this is, here are the dynamics, little laying them out as opposed to just like, well, obviously, you know, no one would, you know, think about Trump anymore. Well, Trump, he's all, he's ahead in the polls now, including in the swing states that decide the election. So uh, one, one thing I want to also, uh, you, you note this also in, in your story, uh, which is, um, you know, several people have said that they, they, they would like to see also more focus on abortion rights uh, because, you know, in, in 2022, I think that there's a valid argument to make that the Democrats were probably saved from uh, a really bad election night by the Supreme Court striking down Roe versus Wade. There's another uh, abortion case, this one over the, the abortion medication uh, mifepristone before the Supreme Court. So there, there may be something that, you know, that may be injected, but it doesn't seem to be the thing that's coming from out of the campaign. No, they have not hit that issue uh, really hard at all. And again, you know, when asked, they say things like, you know, we, we have plenty of plans to talk about abortion rights as we get closer to the election. They are really, at least for now, and, you know, campaigns change out leadership all the time when things aren't going well. Um, but for now, they're waiting. They're sitting back and they're waiting. They, they just don't believe people are, are thinking about the choice that, that they're going to have to make in November. Um, I, this is not really what I expected. I expected a, at least a slightly more focused and aggressive campaign. I, th I think a lot of people did. A lot of the members that I talked to last week certainly did. Um, you know, they, they just they want to see they just want to see more from from um, from this reelection campaign. And, and, and there are frustrations. I mean, you know, Benny Thompson said that that members do talk about and they are concerned about these, you know, God, I guess it's a decade now of these tensions between people who are close to Barack Obama and worked for him and people who have have been loyal to Joe Biden uh, even before. He was vice president. And that's what a Washington Post story recently um, broke the news that Obama had had gone not just to senior Biden campaign officials, but the president himself in a private lunch to voice his concerns about the reelection campaign. But, you know, it's, it's a fascinating story. I urge everyone to look it up and you get into the, the heart of the story 
and you have Biden, senior Biden aides uh, reminding the reporter that, well, it was President Obama and several of his senior aides who urged then Vice President Biden to not run in 2016. And how did that work out? Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump. So they're very bitter about how all that went down. And Thompson said, yeah, there's talent in both camps and they, they need to get on the same page and, and get together. And, and I said, how long can this can these tensions go on? And he essentially said, not another day. They need to figure this out and put it behind them at least from now until November. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things that, I mean, perhaps, you know, we're, we're seeing too is that because, you know, the Democrats didn't do the caucuses in Iowa uh, at the same time as the Republicans, um, they ceded their first place, uh, they, you know, the spot there and, and the Republicans sort of had the um, the state to themselves. Uh, and then again, the headlines are, you know, Donald Trump rolls, you know, to, to, to victory, you know, like quite easily. Um, and then New Hampshire, uh, b- because the the you know the Democratic Party wanted South Carolina to go first, they're not putting you know Biden on the ballot in New Hampshire. So that left you know Dean Phillips all to himself up there, literally all to himself. Had an event, uh, campaign event that nobody came to. Um, so there's no headline. There's no Biden headlines there. Whereas it's like you know what you know how will haley will haley hold on i mean there's still some drama with the republicans there and so finally they get to south carolina eventually where you know so, where the, the is the point where the campaign did turn around in 2020 to be fair for biden but it seems like a long time to wait uh when again i think most professionals just acknowledge you know aside from something really unforeseen trump and biden are going to be the nominees and you know there's there's really not very much time to go no. And, and as you allude to there, Trump could have two victories, including maybe being able to, you know, say he held off uh, the uh, the surging Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. And, you know, she was she was the closest thing they had to a real challenger for me. Um, DeSantis basically moved uh, Ron DeSantis basically moved to Iowa for six months and, and he finished 30 something points behind me. Haley couldn't beat me in New Hampshire. And now I'm back in the South and ready to romp here and and maybe maybe run the table from there. And, you know, Joe Biden is um, giving an eight minutes, eight minute acceptance speech somewhere in South Carolina. And and Trump gives an, you know, a, a, an hour long rally stemwinder. Stem <laughs> yeah. And and says all kind of outrageous things. And and, you know. All the coverage, because this is what uh, Trump is so good at, is this attention seeking and this coverage. It just sucks up all the media coverage. There are a lot of reasons for that, including some business reasons. But I just don't know how even even Biden's first victory in South Carolina, I just don't know how they compete message wise or, or you know getting that coverage uh, with Trump. And you know it it will be a big deal for Biden because of what what you said. Um, that's where his campaign was saved uh, by by voters in South Carolina, but especially Congressman James Clyburn, who surprised everyone by endorsing Biden uh, four years ago in South Carolina, and then and then he was off uh, off to victory in other primaries. So that's a challenge, and you know, you got I got I got different answers on that from Manchin saying just don't worry about Trump, to Hoyer and others saying you've got to remind people every day 
um, as the Democrat, most Democrats, just about all Democrats say that Donald Trump is a threat. And in the second term, he would he would view himself as above the law and out for retribution. And, and you got to hit that message every day. So there, it's not like there's agreement among all these Democrats on what the campaign should do. And, you know, They're just I, asking I, them to do something. <laughs> I was sitting in Delaware reading my story and other stories and listening to folks on cable news and trying to say, OK, well, let's take some of this advice and let's adjust. I'm not sure I would know exactly how to adjust. Well, John, thank you very much for your reporting. Um, you know, it's it's a really good read. I'll hold up the paper again, although obviously most people, if they're on watching this on YouTube or listening to it on on uh, iTunes or, or Google Play, they'll probably just go to the internet, which is great too. You know, wherever wherever you read Roll Call, take a look at uh, take a look at John's story, and uh, we'll see you next time around. Political theater. Thanks again, John. Thank you. 